0: it stands for neonatal intensive care unit. So basically what I do is any, I mean, any type of a baby can end up in the NICU, not necessarily a premature infant. That's one common misconception is it's just automatically premature babies. Most baby I've actually taken care of is a 22 week infant, which is significantly premature. And she is alive and well today. She was my primary baby in the NICU. I took care of her for seven months and now she's my goddaughter. Um, love her to death and so it's she was 350 grams too so she was even less than a pound so we can go as small as that to I've taken care of 12 pound babies you know so it's just very big spectrum
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to MDF Instruments Crafting Wellness Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to Rachel. Introduce yourself, tell us you're from, and uh, where you currently live.
0: Sure. So I am a NICU nurse. i been a NICU nurse a little over six years. Absolutely love my job, and I'm in California, but I'm in Ontario, California, so a little bit Southern.
1: So can you tell us a little bit about a NICU nurse, and um, does that stand for something? Is that an acronym?
0: It is. So it stands for Neonatal Intensive Care Unit. So basically what I do is any, I mean, any type of a baby can end up in the NICU, not necessarily a premature infant. That's one common misconception is it's just automatically premature babies, but we get babies that are supposed to come out at 40 weeks, which is term, a term babies at 40 weeks for multiple different reasons. We just get any type of babies that one are premature to have maybe a congenital um, abnormality or defect, a heart condition, respiratory distress at birth. Literally any reason. So I can see, or I've the smallest baby I've actually taken care of is a 22 week infant, which is significantly premature. And she is alive and well today. She was my primary baby in the NICU. I took care of her for seven months and now she's my goddaughter um, love her to death. And so it's, it, she was 350 grams too. So she was even less than a pound. So we can go as small as that to, I've taken care of 12 pound babies, you know, so it's just very big spectrum. Wow.
1: We are going to have to touch base on that story where you're the god because <laughs> that sounds <laughs> inspiring and awesome. I can tell that you're really passionate about what you do. I can tell you have a really great heart and we haven't <laughs> really like talked too much about that. So uh, can you tell me a little bit, I know that a NICU nurse is a specialty. Did you always know that this was the specialty you wanted to go into, or did you start out just um, nurse, nursing in general, and then you went into NICU? Or ha- Tell us a little bit about your journey into the specialty.
0: You know what's actually very funny is I did not want to be a NICU nurse at all when I was in school. It terrified me. You think of really itty-bitty tiny babies, and it's just it's terrifying. And I actually, I personally was a NICU baby. I was six months or six weeks premature. So my mom always kind of thought when I went into nursing as, you know, as a profession that I was going to end up being a NICU nurse, I was like, no way, not, I I can't do it. That just terrifies me. And when I was, I really wanted to do labor and delivery. I wanted to deliver the babies, bring some happy moments into people's lives. Like that's totally my, you know, what I wanted to do. And when I was applying to new grad positions after I finished uh, nursing school and passing my boards, Uh, There wasn't anything available in labor and delivery. And so I was like, okay, you know, what are other options I can do? Cause I didn't, I didn't want to necessarily do adults and all the different type of, you know, things going on with adults. I wanted to kind of stay in the maternal health kind of field. And I had a friend that worked at the hospital that I actually was hired at who worked in NICU. And she was like, you'd be the most amazing NICU nurse you need to apply. And I was like, Oh my God, that just terrifies me. I don't know if I could do it. And she's like, worst comes to worst. You apply, you don't like it. You switch specialties. I'm like, Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll try it. So I, we try, I, I tried, applied, got hired. And so for those that don't know, um, because NICU is such a specialty, we don't learn about NICU nursing or neonatal intensive care unit in uh, nursing school. So we had to do a three month, um, like almost like a crash course in it. And we were taught at UC Irvine, actually medical center. So their whole program kind of taught a bunch of different local hospitals in the area, um, about Nikki nursing because none of us had any idea and honestly one of the educators there she was just the, the Nikki guru knew everything about anything and just was so passionate and I was like man she just she made me love it she made me love it even just in the beginning of the classes and then I just I fell in love with it and I literally will never do anything else.
1: I think it's a testament that sometimes um you know life finds a way to us into positions and into places that maybe we didn't think that we would want to be in and it ends up being the perfect place and we're so blessed and we're like oh my gosh this is this is everything how did they not know that this is what I wanted and it just kind of clicks right in and it sounds like you found your passion that way yeah so what what drew you to nursing in the first place
0: you know what okay so it was funny because in high school I always this is going to sound kind of odd, but I always wanted to break a bone. I purposely would try to like fall down the stairs to like break (laughs) a bone. I I know to wear a cast. It was ridiculous. My family thought I was crazy, but so I thought I was going to be in, I thought I was going to do like sports medicine, like kind of go that route. And so there was a class in, um, in high school that I took, it was sports medicine. And I really liked it because I played sports throughout high school, but it just, it didn't give me the, like the, like, don't know, a nurse, you're a nurturer. You just you help people a little bit more, and I, I wanted more of that. So I kind of it kind of just dawned on me one day, and I you know thought about the thought about it, and then actually when I was a um, junior in high school, my mom had open heart surgery. So she collapsed in the middle of the night, stopped breathing, and so she had open heart. She ended up getting open heart surgery. Was in the ICU for a little over a month, just like recovering and whatnot. And honestly, her nurses were amazing. And that was ICU. That was intensive care unit, adults, not neonatal intensive care, but they were just amazing. And they kept, you know, me and my two sisters, like very well informed. Like we all felt very comfortable, thought in new shoes and great hands. So I think seeing that I was like, okay, nursing all the way, boom, I'm going to do it. That's what kind of deterred me.
1: You know, it's funny because talking to a lot of people um, on these podcasts, a lot of people in healthcare, they have a similar story, maybe their dad or their grandpa or someone in their family got sick, someone that they cared about, and they saw a doctor or nurse, someone take care of them in such a way that it comforted them. And they wanted to bring that feeling to other people and want to say, you know what, I want to help too. I want to bring this feeling of comfort in the time that I'm the most panicked and, and frightened because that's my loved one, that comfort that you're bringing me to makes to make me feel like it's going to be okay. I want to do that too. I'd like to hear for people who are listening or watching who may want to get into this what is the education process like?
0: My personal journey I went to a junior college I I had this goal that I wasn't going to be in any day and which is it's hard now especially for students which I think it's so horrible um that nurse or I mean just nursing students in general because they're they're so impacted at programs they're they're forced to go to like really expensive programs just to kind of get you know, get them through a program to get them to become a nurse. And it's, it's very unfortunate, you know, and that, but my main goal was I just didn't want to be in a ton of debt. So I went to a junior college first did my prerequisites. So I spent about two years there. I met with a counselor initially, and they kind of put me on a path um, to finish all my prereqs for, for um, nursing schools, because I was going to transfer out to either a university or um, a Cal State. And so they kind of made me take all the specific classes that generally they all kind of wanted. And then granted, if I wanted to go to a specific school and they required another specific class, then they, you know, I would just take that class additionally. Um, so that's how I kind of did it. And then after my two years, I transferred to Mount St. Mary's University, which is in LA, for people that don't know, and I went to the Doheny campus. So my program was the associate's degree in nursing program. And I did that for one of two reasons. Um, one, I wanted because I know a lot of people are like want to go back to school and get their bachelor's, which I think is amazing, which I ended up going back and getting my bachelor's. Um but there's you, you don't necessarily have to go right out of school to get your bachelor's. There's multiple different ways to do it. And the, which was the second reason, hospitals pay you to go back to school. so they they want to, they encourage you to go back to school. So there's always incentives to do it. So I so I did my uh, my core nursing classes for the two years in the nursing program. And we learned every type of specialty, all the different didactic, um, you know, from ICU to just med surge, to mental health, to pediatrics, OB, it, they, they talk about everything in, the, in those two years. So when you're done with that specifically, then you graduate, yippee, hurrah, this is awesome. Now you take your NCLEX, which is your boards, your nursing boards. So um, you train for that, you, you, you pass, once you pass that, then you're officially a registered nurse, and then you can start applying to new grad programs which I highly recommend anybody that is um, listening is to look for new grad programs. Those are the programs that are going to set you up for success, not for failure. They put you on, like they give you didactic courses to kind of, along with other um, people li- or like-minded you know, students that are in the exact same boat as you. So you guys are all on the same path together, which is awesome. And then you... Um, one, I mean, you might be in a, a group with a bunch of different specialties, but it doesn't matter. Cause you're all still like the same, same brain space. Like you just graduated school. You're all very new and you want to be put like in a path where you're going to be successful because you don't want to just be thrown out onto the, onto the floor, not knowing anything. And then, you know, it, it comes back on your license because honestly it's hard to get your license but it's even it's super easy to lose it so that's like what I tell all my my uh, nursing students I'm like you know just be really careful because your license yeah it seems like it was hard to get it but it's even it's super easy to lose it so Mm -hmm. yeah but then when I got hired at my um my hospital they paid me to go back to school so then I got my bachelor's through them (laughs) I love it and so now you've been a NICU nurse for six years you said right over six years yeah oh my gosh it's crazy how time just kind of, and you, but what's great about any thing you pick every single day or every year, you, you still feel like you're learning something. So it's just an ever, like you can learn anything being a nurse every single day. You you don't know everything.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, I totally understand that because I feel like you're just going to, you know, with what you were talking about earlier, where you had a baby that wasn't even a pound and then you have like a 12 pound baby, but maybe there's similarities and but there's differences and all the cases are not going to be the same and you're going to learn how to treat them differently. I would love to hear a little bit about this baby um, that you helped that was less than a pound and how you protected it and nurtured it and a little bit about how you became the godmother to that baby. And as a boy or girl, I want to hear everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: So her name is Avery and she is just the sweetest, most amazing. I just want to call her amazing, amazing miracle because she is a miracle at birth. So she was born at 22.6 weeks, which for those that don't know, um, when we admit babies into the NICU, we, they have a certain criteria, which is like viability, um, for, you know, for success of, of the baby, obviously. So they try not to go below 23 weeks give or take, but it's mainly based on their or on their um, their weight, which is 500 grams. So anything under 500 grams, they try to stay, stay away from it just because for viability reasons. They want to have a, the best outcome possible for the baby, for the family, you know, so it was a very big risk that they took. She was 350 grams, significantly lower than like NRP guidelines to resuscitate, to be able to, um, you know, bring her up to the unit. But I remember the doctor on that day and she said, the reason I brought her up is because I heard her cry. So normally babies at that age wouldn't cry, but she, she cried. So she's like, Mm-mm, we're taking her right upstairs. Mm-hmm. So we took her upstairs and I, I remember seeing her cause I took her, I took care of her on the second day of life. And usually um, when we first admit babies that small, they have like a honeymoon period where they're, they do really good for a couple of days. And then they kind of, you know, some of them take a turn for the worse, and they kind of, you know, decline after that. But like for her she did not decline. She just kept getting better. I mean, you know, for being a really, really tiny, sick infant, but it's just, it's incredible to see like where she like started and how she is now. And I, you know, I bonded immediately, I bonded with the dad because the mom, you know, she had, um, she had blood pressure issues. So she was still in the hospital. So she wasn't able to come to the bedside right away, but the dad was. And so like immediately I was bonding with the dad. And I remember it's funny. Cause we always talk about this he, he tells me, he's like, you know, I loved the interaction that we had. You were just so comforting and warm. And like, you just kept telling us like, everything's going to be okay. That you just, you know, you're, you were just really trying to be there for me and, you know, for my family, not without even meeting the mom yet. And so he was like, I had to introduce you to my wife who, you know, is downstairs getting, you know, in recovery or whatnot. And so when she got brought up, she's like, you know, I, I, this is the famous Rachel. This is the one that we've heard about. Like we, like we've been talking about it. And I just, I, and she's like, I'm so happy to meet you. And I'm like, I'm so happy to meet you guys. Like you guys have a little, like a little fighter on your hands. I, I remember Avery. She's so, she was so feisty, super feisty, but I say feisty in the best way possible because the feisty ones do the best. And she just, she wanted to live. She fought to live. She had every out against her. I remember the doctor saying she had a 5% chance of just living and she surpassed that. And now is hitting every milestone. It's, it's just absolutely crazy, but going back to her kind of growing up a little bit. So. I, um, the parents had both asked me to be her primary nurse. So if people don't know, um, you know, primary nursing is amazing. I don't, I, I think that's only kind of geared towards um, in the NICU, I think maybe even PICU, pediatric intensive care, but for uh, babies that are in the unit for long-term purposes, it's great to have a primary nurse just because it's continuity of care. You have the same type of nurse at the bedside every single shift that they're there. And they know that baby, they know that baby from back to front. If there's any little thing that's going wrong, they can usually detect it first, which is it, it's so amazing. And it, it, it's, it really is amazing for like those types of small babies that just any little thing can, can make or break. Like, like, you know, how, um, like their outcome. And so they asked me to be the primary nurse. And I was like, of course, like I would love to. And it's crazy. Cause I wasn't even supposed to take care of her that day, but she was the smallest baby I've ever seen. Like literally ever seen. I look by, I look past her incubator and I'm like, wow. Like she's so tiny. Like we have, um, nano preemie diapers. I wish I had a picture of one nano preemie diapers. We had to cut them in fourths to fit their fit her. Cause they did not fit her. It was just, it was incredible. And I had told the nurse that was taking care of her. I was like, please let me take care of her. Like switch assignments with me. I just, I, I don't know. I'm just getting a good vibe from her. I just, I just want to take care of her. And she's like, yeah, but she's in the honeymoon stage. Are you okay? Like, and I'm like, no, like, like I got this, like, it'll be It'll be okay. And, oh, I'm so glad I did <laughs> <laughs> because I loved, I loved Avery, loved her parents. It was wonderful. And so several months out, so she actually had a primary, um, uh, respiratory therapist as well too. So the two of us, we just were like super close, you know, um, choreographed, like all of like everything that she was doing. It was, it was an awesome experience to have with that other individual and just like with the family. It was, it was wonderful. So after a couple months, the parents, they texted us individually because we, we gave our numbers to the families because we were just, you know, and she'd be like, well, how's my baby doing like, like all night. So she didn't have to bug, you know, the unit and whatnot. And I would just give her updates. And it's just having that type of relationship with a parent is like absolutely incredible. It's My favorite thing is to bond with those parents because their babies are in such, you know, critical care and they, and they just want someone to just make sure that their babies are going to be okay um so I remember them saying hey can you come to the unit like a little bit early I I want to give you something I'm like sure like no problem so the both of us came and they gave us these little bags and inside the bags there were um it was a picture of me so I I did photo shoots with the mom with with me the mom um Avery we we like oh we decked out our bed with we just had so much fun with it because ultimately we tried to make it as like normal as possible because she you know was going to be in the the unit for so long we wanted to make it as normal as possible and so she had a picture of me and Avery it was for her um Easter um photo shoot that we did together and on the on the um the the picture frame it said will you be my godmother and then on the then there was a paper that said like what a godmother is and how special it is to you know be a godmother in this family because we take it you know super seriously and whatnot and so start to cry because i'm like oh my gosh like this is so sweet i love this and yeah so i became her godmother and then you know the respiratory here was he became her godfather so i think that's bonded us even more because we just we just have such a special bond with that family and i i go see and so you know, fast forward, Avery got discharged. Avery, luckily they live maybe 20 minutes away from me. So I visit her. I probably see Avery maybe every like month and a half ish during COVID it was a little harder just because I didn't, obviously I'm working in the hospital. I didn't want to pass anything to her. And so when she was first discharged, she was on oxygen still, and she had a tube. but I think her mom was so determined to you know, just make, make her have the most like normal experiences possible. So her oxygen actually was discontinued maybe six months after, after discharge and her G tube, maybe like a couple months after. So she really had nothing like a born so early and literally got to go home with like nothing wrong with her. It was, it was incredible. And she's how old is she now? She's two and a half, two and a half has hit every single milestone. She runs, she walks, she talks, she screams, she, you know, everything she feeds herself. It's incredible because you know, sadly, a lot of the babies that end up in our unit, they have developmental delays, speech delays, you know, all these different things, which, you know, I mean, coming from so small, you would kind of expect that she literally has nothing and she didn't have a brain bleed, nothing. So she is, she's just a miracle. She's perfect. She's my, she's Avery. (laughs) I love Avery.
1: Wow. That is such an awesome story. It's so inspiring. I, I can't even imagine just seeing that whole process from being probably like, I don't even, I can't even imagine how small and then to see her now, two and a half running around <laughs> screaming, being a normal toddler. <laughs> like, that's, that's got to put a huge smile on your face and make you feel so good for what you do in your job and how you're there for other people and help these tiny little human beings but that's amazing I mean that's such a such a great story and it it sounds like you put a lot of heart and love into um into your job and it I'm sure that there aren't always happy endings with these things is there something that you do like to help going through this process of of being there and it's such a stressful situation I'm sure probably hard on the parents to not be away from their child for seven months um and then you know but you you grow that bond because you're there all the time in that seven month period and then you get to give the child back and it's great that you still get to see her but what about the times when things don't go so well what do you do for yourself um for your mental health just your physical health like self-care wise because I know nurses you guys give so much to to other people a lot that sometimes you don't give back to yourself and I think it's so important to talk about mental health and just if you have any advice or anything that you do that kind of helps bring you back to that you know back to zero so you can continue doing what you do
0: I, it's crazy you bring up mental health because like people do not talk about it enough. And I think there's like this crazy stigma about like, if you go to therapy, you're crazy, which I think is, I think that's crazy. That statement's crazy because, you know, everybody goes through different things in their life, whether it be job related or, you know, personal related, like everybody goes through something and it's always just wonderful to talk to somebody, some unbiased person. So I was going to say, the first thing I do is I go to therapy. And I am proud to say that I love my therapist. She's, she's gotten me through so many different things for like, um, not even just work related stuff, like personal stuff, family stuff. Um, you know, she's just wonderful. And anybody and, and anytime I have something going on, I, you know, I text her really quick and I get a session in and it's like, to me, that is, it's just amazing. So I stress to all my friends, my family, I'm like, you just need to go to therapy. It's, it, it will just make you feel significantly better. Um, but I do work out, so I, I try really hard to um, I do boot camp a lot, so I, I like doing boot camp, which I think is I, I mean that's great for my my physical health too. So it's mental health and physical health. Um, and but you know honestly like especially at the end the unit when like something doesn't go right, we I've like when I saw babies that had passed away, I had the most amazing coworkers where we like we did like debriefs after something bad had happened, so we all kind of talked about our feelings, how we were how, um, how everybody was doing throughout the entire, you know, situation and, but it's, it's hard because you take that stuff home with you. So I think like, just honestly, the best thing is, is just like talking, getting talking to somebody, whether it be someone like a trusted friend or, you know, a significant other family member. But I I really strongly suggest a therapist because they're unbiased. You know, they're not going to sit there and judge you. They're just going to give you just like open, honest, just feedback and just, or just let you talk. And I think that's awesome. So yeah, mental health does not get talked about enough. So we need to advocate for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. I couldn't have said it better. I think it's so important. Um, it is a stigma there is a stigma to it. And that's why we're having so many problems with, especially in healthcare alone, um, mental breakdowns and suicide, because you guys are on the forefront of Um, you're there for the happy moments and you're there for the not so happy moments. And most of the time, you know, in healthcare, generally, it's more of the not so happy (laughs) uh, moments where you're, you know, fighting for your life or um, in like these babies are fighting for their lives being so small and, and, um, and early. Uh, But I think it's, it's therapy is Incredible, and if you can't afford a therapist because you're a student and you don't have health insurance or it's too expensive, I think what you just suggested about having a community of of people, other nurses or people who can understand what you're going through, to just have a little dialogue and say how are you feeling, you know, and and talking through everything that happens. Because if we keep everything inside, then it's really not good. It's only going to hurt you, and it's only going to it's just, it's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad. So the best thing you can do is try to feel your feelings and then talk about them with someone you trust and someone that will support you.
0: Definitely. Also too, um, so before I even started seeing my specific therapist, our hospital offered something called, um, an EAP. It was part of an EAP program, which is an employee assistance program. I know a lot of, um, hospitals, companies, they offer stuff like that, where they actually provide mental health services At zero cost to you. So the hospital covers it. And so like for me specifically, I had five free sessions. So I got to test out my therapist, see if we had a good vibe. And then that's how I chose her. So there's, there's tons of different resources, like free resources, um, you know, for people that maybe they can't afford it or whatnot. There's tons of stuff out there. You just got to just find it and look for it.
1: Yeah, I found like women's support groups in the past, oh, yes. um, which is also a great thing. You know, you can find those and you can uh, just have a community of people that you can talk to. If it's your mom, if it's your dog, it doesn't really exactly. <laughs> so get it out and not keeping it in. And when you keep it in, it turns to poison. I am a big advocate for mental health, especially in healthcare. Um, the things that you guys go through, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a pretty... Um, I, I think it's a pretty thankless job. Like, I don't think people realize how many sacrifices, um, both mentally, physically, that you guys make. Um, you know, you, you're working on Christmas a lot of the time. You're working on holidays. You're. I, I kind of want to get into talking a little bit about what your hours are like at, at the hospital, if you're day or night, because um, I know for some people, night shifts can get really rough, and um, <laughs> you're up all night, and then you're back to working <laughs> the day again. Can you talk a little bit about what your schedule is and has been in the past um, and how you, where you like it?
0: Yes. So as a new grad, I'm sorry to say for all the new grads listening, you'll probably start on night shift, <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, and unless you find just some amazing position that'll just hire you on day shift, which, you know, I think in a way night shift kind of shaped me. Um, to be a nurse, to be the nurse that I am, because you don't have all the additional stressors that day, sh- day shift just kind of offered. You don't have the, all the extra, um, you know, uh, physical therapists, occupational therapists, management, like you have more time at night to kind of not say nights is easier because it's significantly, it's it's not easier at all, but you just have less people. So you get to like kind of dive into the special team, you can learn a little bit more and kind of take it in and not feel so stressed out. So I don't think necessarily going on night shift at first is a bad thing. Staying on night shift? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I No, I did night shift for, I wanna say four of my of my six years and I, it was it was rough. It was hard. And then at one point I flip flopped. So I did, um, I worked full-time night shift and I worked per DM. Um, so I basically worked like kind of as needed at uh, Kaiser And I did a day shift. So I flip-flopping it, it was just like it was it was really hard to kind of go from because when people people don't understand, like when you work night shift, you either work like seven to seven, um, or you know, at my my hospital was 6 45 p.m. to 7 30 a.m. So you have to sleep obviously before you go into work, and then so your whole day is just gone, like because even even if you go into work. And you come off of work that morning, like you sleep a little bit, and then let's say you don't have to go back to work that night, you're gonna be groggy like a zombie all day. Night shift is is really hard, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I I commend those nurses that stay on night shift the rest of their career. It's it's crazy, but I can't do that. I work day shift now, so I work 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. It's significant. It works better with my schedule. Um, you know, I come home, I eat i sometimes work out and then i go to sleep and i'm perfectly content and happy doing that but we work uh, 12 hour shifts usually three days a week i usually pick up extra either at my hospital or surrounding hospitals i do registry with a couple different hospitals um and i'm actually i'm going to start doing travel nursing so
1: i wanted to ask you about that because um (laughs) yeah oh my gosh we have to talk about this (laughs) i i was curious i didn't know if um because i'm still learning about travel nursing and i was like well can a NICU nurse travel because it seems like they need that so why wouldn't you that's exciting (laughs) that's really exciting I love that yeah okay so but you were on night shift for four years of
0: your six years Mm -hmm. it was miserable it was horrible I I, in the beginning I lived at home so I you know my and my family didn't get it you know because they have a normal life a normal schedule so they kind of do things normally and I had to have blackout curtain because I couldn't stay asleep and it was miserable. It's crazy now because my my sister is actually in a, in nursing school, and she's about to graduate in a month. And she's working overnight shifts, right? I know, I'm i so excited for her, but she's working overtime shifts shifts now. She's like, "Wow, now I get it now." And I feel so bad that you know we were being loud. I'm like, "It's okay, you know we we don't think about that, you know." So people listening, if you know someone that works night shift, give them some grace, let them sleep if they're tired, just let them sleep some more. It's hard.
1: <laughs> yeah. So can I ask you, okay, you said you work 12 hour days, three mm-hmm. days a week, but you pick up extra shifts. Can I yeah. ask why you do that? Is it, is it, you want to save up more money or is it just like three days? Does it feel like enough? Cause 12 hour shifts are, those are long shifts. It's not an easy,
0: uh, it's not. I, you know, I kind of go through spurts of like, I like to invest a lot of money. So my extra shifts, go to investment purposes like I have I have different businesses and I have different things that I'm involved in so to me like extra shifts means extra money I can put in investment so that's the reason why I do it I don't always do it like around Christmas time I usually just work my three days I spend more time with family in summer I slow down too because again I want to spend time with family but like on like weird off seasons I'm like "Eh, why not pick up a couple extra days and I usually pick up like two or three a month it's not anything crazy um it's something because because again like you know, yeah, we only work three days a week, but we do work a four, like a, it's like, it's a 36 hour, which is like a 40 hour week, you know, cause we, um, you know, half the time we don't even, we, we stay 12 hours, but we stay and we stay longer. So we work a 40 hour week in three days. So it's a lot. So it does take a toll on you, but I, like, I go through spurts where I'm like, okay, I'm going to pick up a couple and I, you know, I'm going to kind of not work a couple, you know, so it just goes back and forth.
1: Yeah. yeah so that was going to be my next question is, is our shifts were in a row. So it's every, every day, three days, 12, 12 hour shifts, three days in a row.
0: Not necessarily three days in a row. It depends on the hospital. So, okay, so is it three
1: three shifts a week then?
0: Yes. Okay. So usually hospitals let you pick. So the hospitals I've actually worked at um, let you pick your schedule, which is nice. So you pick and choose when you, I like doing mine in a row because you get them done then you get more days off and it's nice, but mm-hmm. it doesn't always work out like that. And that's okay. And you usually have to work like X amount of weekends a month. X amount of, you know, Mondays and Fridays. So there's like different things that the, each hospital kind of requires. Um, so you just, you, within those means, you usually get to pick like your own schedule, which is awesome. Um, I do have to say when I worked at Kaiser, they have a block schedule. So you don't get to pick your schedule. So that's something to consider if you want to work at Kaiser. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, but, yeah.
1: And advice for nursing students. So if you could tell your younger self something, anything, uh-huh. Uh-huh. what would it be?
0: Not be so hard on yourself. Be patient with yourself. I am a perfectionist, so I remember when I first started as a new grad, I'd get so upset if I if something didn't click right away or something, if I had to ask you know my preceptor a second time, like, can you re-explain that to me, just to give myself grace. Because honestly, like, I, you know, you take the time to learn why you're doing something, not just to do something. And I think that's like during nursing school, they didn't really teach us that. They just kind of just was like, okay, you know, you have to you have to know this, 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 but like when we are getting prepared to take like, you know, our exams and then like our, um, our boards, like they, you have to know why you're doing something because ultimately you're going to be taking that to the bedside and you need to know why you're doing something. So just to give yourself more grace, it's going to take, it's going to take longer than other people and don't compare yourself. I, man, when I was in nursing school, I, I mean, I wasn't not smart, but there were a lot of kids that were a lot smarter than I was. And we get A's and all my, t- on their tests. And it, it actually, that, um, it, uh, it affected my, my, uh, mental health. So I ended up, Seeing a doctor, and they wrote something where I took my test separately. Because for me, like it gave me anxiety when I would like be sitting there taking my test, and I saw everybody get up and get up and finish their test, and I'm still sitting there, and I'm like, oh my god. So I actually got to my, take my test separately. I had a little bit longer time, and I did significantly better that way. So that was it was awesome for me. But yeah, just to give myself more, you know, just just to like enjoy it because like everybody's in school so focused on school, but they're not like they're not enjoying it. So just to do that, and also when you become a nurse trust your gut because ultimately like i know like someone will say oh well, th- that doesn't make any sense like if it's another nurse or a doctor but like you're there at the bedside the entire shift like you see if something's going wrong so just trust your gut and, and you know and report it tell somebody so that's definitely what i would say
1: yeah that's really great advice i think um there's a quote comparison is the thief of joy and um, i can really relate to the comparison thing because I think we all do that you know especially with social media um it's really hard to not see what other people are doing and be like oh wow they're really ahead or they're doing this better than me or like I'm behind or whatever the societal pressures are but one one piece of advice that goes along with that for me is someone said eyes on your own paper you know when you're a kid they, the teacher always teaches you like "Eyes on your own paper and so sometimes when I find myself doing that I go Brooke eyes on your own paper like What's in front of you is is what matters and it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. So eyes on your own paper. <laughs> it will Because it will mess with your mental health majorly if you are comparing yourself to other people because you don't know their journey. You don't know their struggles. You don't know what they're going through. You're just comparing like their test score on that one test or how quickly they answered something, but that doesn't necessarily mean they even did it right. So, you know, it's always bigger in our minds and and we're all on our own journey anyway, right?
0: (laughs) Exactly. No, that's, it's just so important to know that. Yes. I think it's such good advice. Okay. What
1: about like tips, tricks, hacks, anything? I know you give plenty of great uh, advice on your social media but do you have any tips tricks hacks for um, nursing students or just in, in NICU nurses in general or staying up during night shifts Do you have anything for us
0: let me see okay so night shift I would say get blackout curtains that's like a number one um, I use melatonin to help me sleep because you're basically flip-flopped you know you ha- you can't sleep at the time, you're not really used to sleeping. So I use melatonin, I used um, blackout curtains, I use lavender essential oils, I rub them on my temples, something to kind of calm myself down to try to just sleep. Um, Also using white noise. So I've kind of still used that practice now. So now I have to sleep with a fan going, which is my white noise. (laughs) So like you, you find those little things that kind of help you sleep and whatnot. So that'll be for night shift. For Let's see. Ooh, when you become a new a new nurse, do not say today's a quiet day. Today's a slow day. Don't say any of that <laughs> because as soon as you do, you're gonna get a trauma, a something, an admission. No, just don't say the keyword. That don't say anything. Just just literally when you're about to clock up, be like, oh my god, you guys, now it was a wonderful day. You know, also which is really interesting is bullying. So, um, new nurses, it's it's again going back to kind of comparing yourself you know, don't let people bully you. I've had people bully me at different hospitals because I came from a different hospital and did things differently. And, you know, and you kind of just have to learn how to like stand up for yourself. And even if you don't know something, just admit that you don't know it and, you know, don't try to just do it. So if you don't know something, ask, um, you know, find someone that you could trust that's not going to like look at you in a funny way and be like, hey, you know, I don't know how to do this. Can you just show me how to do it so now I can know how to do it next time? Um, So just always ask for help because regardless you know, whatever, anybody thinks you're all there for one common goal. One common reason is for those patients and for like, for us, it's for the babies, you know? So I think that's just really important.
1: Absolutely. I, I don't really think about the bullying thing, but I have heard of this happening where people are bullying it. each other. What do you think? Why do you think that happens? Do you think it's like a power trip where they're like, I, I can finally boss someone around?
0: Yeah. I think it's I think it could be a power trip I think it I, I
1: honestly or they just the person I don't know but well, it's just would, because it feels like if you have had that done to you why would you and you know how terrible it feels why would you be continuing that pattern and doing it to someone else like you know I I would be like you're bullying me Please <laughs> I'm gonna come up with the b word I'm gonna be like you're me. you need to stop <laughs> because <laughs> you say that word and people people sometimes don't even realize that they're being condescending or they are bullying you or they're being rude or whatever sometimes they don't even realize it because they're caught up in their own moment and sometimes calling it out and saying hey you're bullying me
0: actually will help oh yeah it's like it's like the elephant in the room like as soon as you say that as soon as you say that b word it's like oh my god maybe but then also too because like i know some of my friends that had been bullied at different hospitals they stand up to the bullies and then they don't get bullied anymore but like because I think they just but for me I'm a chicken and so I just I take it all in but it, it definitely affects my mental health so that's what therapy comes in
1: <laughs> yeah, but the thing is that in healthcare especially I mean you're that that profession draws empathetic people it draws people with really good hearts and have a high level of empathy and want to help other people so you're gonna naturally be more a more sensitive and be not as likely to be able to say hey, you're being rude to me because it's just there's a kindness in healthcare that I think like just naturally draws very kind people so (laughs) when you get the people who aren't so much or who are bullying you it's it's not as likely for you to be uh as aggressive to stand up for yourself but it is so important I think it kind of comes with age too as you get a little older, you realize okay I need to advocate for myself I have to speak up it's not okay for you to do that to me um but I encourage people all the time if someone's disrespect being disrespectful to you bullying you be ru- being rude to you um stick up for yourself you can do it in a polite way you don't have to stoop down to their level um uh, but definitely you know own your worth and and let people know if they're crossing a boundary with you because yeah. it's never okay and it will affect your mental health and people sometimes don't even know that they're doing it until they get called out on it and that's why people get away with it is because they can because nobody says anything
0: yeah and like honestly some people like you said like they don't know that they're doing it and then when like you just say hey like you know that kind of hurt my feelings or I don't like I don't like the way you kind of said that they're like oh my gosh I didn't mean it that way Mm -hmm. let me rephrase it you know maybe someone had a bad day I I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt maybe they had a bad day or heard something some bad news or whatever so you just you know but and then again like you said it comes with age I think like you know being more into the field maybe later on I'll probably be like "Uh uh-uh like nobody's messing with me but Mm -hmm. I don't know
1: yeah, no, I, I I get the bowling thing. I'm not a fan of bullies. Uh, so tell me a little bit about your career trajectory., uh, what does your career look like five years, ten years from now? Um is it gonna be very similar to what you're doing, or is there oh, like a step, a step in a different direction that comes with more experience? Mm-hmm.
0: So for me personally, I know as a nurse, what's amazing going into nursing, you literally could do anything with it. That's what's so great about this profession. You can, advance your career and go and um, get your master's degree and go into management. You could get your doctorate. You could do write paper. Like there's so many things you literally could do with it. Me personally, I'm thinking for like five years down the line. I, I, what well, I, I just told you, I'm going to travel nurse. So I'm super excited about that. Um, and I think for me, I'm do. I want to do that. Well, I want to do that for a couple different reasons. One of the reasons I want to, I want to get exposure to different hospitals, kind of see how they run, how the different NICUs run. I want to see how the people are, the cultures. I want to see, I want just, to just experience different hospitals and kind of how they run. Um, but like, for me, I don't plan on going back to school. So I have my bachelor's degree. I don't want to go back and get my master's. I don't want to get back, go back and get my doctorate. Um, just because for me personally, I, like, I don't want to become a nurse practitioner. I, I love what I do. I love being at the bedside. I find it very fulfilling. Maybe I'll feel differently later on where I'll, where I'll like want to do, you know, management or something. And then I can go back before right now, you know, for at least the first five years, like I, I love being bedside. Um, and I don't know, I do definitely want to get my RNC. So an RNC is a, is a certification that you get in like your specialty. Um, you just have to have two years of experience in it. And basically you just have to, you have to, take a test. It's like another board like another set of boards. And then once you pass then you do um like when you renew your license you have to do um uh, continuing education. So you basically have to just do a little bit more for having that certification. So that's something that's in my horizon for this year actually to do. Um so travel nursing and then that. But for 10 years, ooh, I'm like well, hopefully in 10 years, I'll be a mama. So maybe I'll step back a little bit. I'm 31. So I, and it's kind of crazy because I, I'm a NICU nurse. I have no kids and I have the worst baby fever ever. I go to work and I just want to like love on everybody. And I'm like, please just like give me love because I want babies of my own. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, so hopefully in the next, well, hopefully in the next five years I have kids, but next 10 years I'll have kids. So at that time, you know, maybe I'll take a step back and, and, you know, not work full time or work the extra shifts, just work part-time because I want to be a mama too,
1: You're going to be a great mom. You're going to be an awesome
0: mom. So (laughs) So We can have kids later. So it kind of, it it hurts me at work when some of the nurses are like, oh, you're 31 and you don't actually, it's funny. I I did a, I did a post on this. I, or like a funny post on this, like where they just make, not make, make fun, but they're like, oh, like you're not married or you don't have any kids. Like, like, what are you waiting for? Kind of thing. And I'm like, well, honestly, like for me, I, I'm just, I was career focused and now I'm getting to the point where I'm like, now I want to, and I have a boyfriend. so hopefully. Hopefully, if he listens, he can, he can get, get the ring on the fit fa- No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but hopefully, I mean, we've talked about marriage and kids, and we talk about it all the time, but um, that, that'll, it'll be sometime in the future. But every regardless what age, it ha- I, I'm learning now, it happens whenever it's supposed to happen. Everything. It, it, yeah,
1: it, I completely some... <laughs> agree with that. Like, when it's meant to be, it'll be. Yeah, but that goes back to the mental health thing and the societal pressure of, especially yeah. that women have of. Um, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you married? You're in your thirties. Why don't you have kids? What's wrong with you? You're selfish, like whatever that is. And it's not always, you know, we we can do things a lot older now. And um, I'm a big believer in, you're only adult, as old as you feel. And I hope that that will happen too, but you can't, um, you know, life just doesn't always go the way that you think it's gonna go. And it doesn't always happen on your timeline. And you just have to be okay with that because there's just things you can't control, you know. So, as a NICU nurse, is there a specific stethoscope that need that you have, and what are those needs? And also, like any other medical equipment that you find that is very helpful for your for your job?
0: Um, so, I'm a little biased. I love the MDF stethoscope, and I am obsessed with the precordial titanium one because, and because this is the reason why. It has different attachments. So for as a NICU nurse, or even even a pediatric nurse, we deal with little itty bitties. We don't deal with big people. So we need little itty bitty bells. <laughs> so what I love about that specific stethoscope is you literally can take the bells off and you put on a tiny small one for a little infant or a pediatric one, which I think that's super important. It, especially, you know, being a NICU nurse, you have to have a smaller bell or a smaller stethoscope. So, um, and for s- equipment, you know, let's see, usually like what I carry around with me, I always carry around scissors for something. Cause I, I mean, we need it to do, you know, to put, um, or gastric tubes into their nose or their mouth and tape it to the side or for IV purposes. I use, um, let me see. Yeah. So
1: like if you have a medical bag, if you were to pack a medical bag for your job, what would go inside
0: it? Oh, I actually do have a medical bag. So <laughs> in my medical bag, I have gum because, and, or mints, because, you know, after, especially having to wear, well, even when we didn't have to wear masks all the time in the hospital, you know, you eat and you got stinky breath, just, where it just you know, you're up in people's face, you're talking to people, you're talking to babies that they, they, you know, they could tell they don't want bad breath nurses either. <laughs> so, um, but even like after lunch and you have a mask on, you can taste your own food and it's nasty. So, um, if you don't bring your toothbrush or something, bring gum or bring mints. Um, I have scissors in mine, I have multiple pens, I have highlighters, I'm very organized when I do my report sheet. I color code it with highlighters, pens. I want to know exactly what's going on. I'm I think that's my anxiety, my mental health kind of poking through. I like to be in control of my paper, my day. And granted, as a nurse, you could plan it. It's not gonna go the way you plan. But if you have a general idea and you kind of do, you know, what you can, usually your day goes a little bit better. So I have a bunch of pens, highlighters. I have Sharpies in there because for uh, NICU, we fortify breast milk. And so, uh, or we thought, and then we fortify it. So we, you know, to have to put like, when we fortify it to make it, you know, different calories or whatnot, um, we use Sharpie. So we Sharpie the top and say like, how many calories you fortified it to. Um, I also have, um, oh, I have alcohol swabs in there to like, standing off my phone, standing off my stethoscope usually. And my stethoscope is obviously in there. and then usually I'll put oh I put a calculator in there too because we um I mean we're not necessarily have like we're not allowed to really have our phones out so I have a calculator to like when we have um, new IV rates we have to calculate or um you know uh, orders from the doctors that are feeding related that they need to we need to calculate something so I have a calculator in mine let's see I think that's about it that's in my bag maybe an extra hair tie I don't have anything like crazy because honestly. What's great about my department is we have, we have a bed cart or we have um, like a, like a storing cabinet with like everything in it. So we don't need too many other, you know, too, too many other things. The most of our stuff is in, up there. So we just, we have our little bag with our, and we have, and make sure you get a bag that you can wipe off with a sandy wipe. So it doesn't harbor like bacteria and whatnot. So that's what I bring.
1: <laughs> awesome. I love it. I love
0: it. Oh, I also bring I bring ginger chews reason for that. I get migraines. So I bring ginger chews just in case I forgot about that. I have a bag of ginger chews. <laughs> I know that that helps migraines. I get migraines are really bad too. Ginger chews hmm. and mango. You have to get the mango ones. You can't get the nasty regular ones. Get the mango ones.
1: Okay. That's good advice. I like it. <laughs> Okay, Rachel, will you give us your social media handles so for anyone listening uh, who wants to give you a follow and check you out, she offers all kinds of really great tips and tricks on her instagram she also has advice she also has really funny videos that she puts (laughs) on. Um, I'm a big fan of her social media so can you give it to us Rachel.
0: Yes Okay, so it's the at symbol. Rachel the RN underscore. So it looks like Rachel thern I've been asked if that's my last name. No, it's Rachel the RN underscore. So, yes, give me a follow. And- Perfect.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, Rachel, thank you so much for being on our Crafting Wellness podcast today. It was such a pleasure having you and talking with you. And I'm going to have to check back with you to see how the travel nursing thing is going and how your medical back changes.
0: Yes. 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 <laughs> Rachel, thank you guys so much for having me. Honest, this was so much fun. So, thank you guys so much. Oh,